Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. You're listening to the Jam Radio Network with Hey, Nick Cannon here. So, of course, we all know there's lots of talent in America. But unfortunately, there's something else we've got way too much of. Childhood hunger. 17 million kids struggle with it in this country. But here's the thing. This problem is entirely solvable. Seriously, we already produce more than enough healthy, nutritious food in this country to feed every single last one of those hungry kids. We just need a way to get it to them. That's why the Feeding America Nationwide Network of Food Banks is out there every day gathering surplus food to give hope to hungry kids and their families all across the country. But they need your help. Join me in supporting Feeding America and your local food bank at feedingamerica.org. Together we can solve hunger. Together we're Feeding America. A message from Feeding America and the Ad Council. Violence. Theft, drugs, graffiti, it's all part of joining a gang. In times like these, we need to protect our kids and our community from gangs. Gangs often prey on teens with low self-esteem who perform poorly in school and who seek a sense of belonging. Protect kids from gangs. Know who they're hanging out with. Encourage them to become involved in school activities. Give kids a positive alternative to gangs. To learn more, visit ncpc.org or contact your local law enforcement agency. A message from the U.S. Department of Justice, National Crime Prevention Council, and the Ad Council. This is Ann Graham Lott with Daily Light for Daily Living. As the runners flew around the track in the Summer Olympics of 1992, one pulled up on the backstretch and limped to a stop. He pulled a hamstring. As the crowd stood, a man ran out of the stands to the young athlete. The microphones picked up the runner's words. Dad, you've got to help me across the finish line. I've trained all my life for this race. The father put his arm around his son and together, they limped across the finish line to a standing ovation. In John 14:16, Jesus promises, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. Think about it. In this race of life, when you think you can't go one more step, you can. The Holy Spirit will wrap his everlasting arms around you. He will walk with you to the finish. This is Ann Graham Lodge. Dear John, I was hoping it wouldn't come to this, but you've left me no choice. I'm leaving. Uncontrolled high blood pressure is really serious, and lately you seem to really not care. I've been there for you since day one, and I know you think I'm going to keep ticking. But no, my friend, I can quit whenever I want. Why can't we get back to the good times, when we were more active and ate more healthy foods? And you checked on me every once in a while. Is that too much to ask? I don't want to leave. But unless you stop ignoring me, what else am I supposed to do? Remember, when I quit, you quit. Sincerely, 
your heart. Listen to your heart. Don't let it quit on you. Doing the minimum to control your high blood pressure isn't doing enough. High blood pressure can lead to a stroke, heart attack, or death. Get your blood pressure to a healthy range before it's too late. Find out how at heart.org slash blood pressure. Check, change, control. A message from the American Heart Association, the American Stroke Association, and the Ad Council. This is Morning Inspirations with Minister Kenneth Jenkins.
Good morning. It's the early morning gospel program. When it's Rachel's here on Talk You and Jam Radio. Oh, happy day. 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 The Lord hear thee in the day of trouble. The name of the God of Jacob defend thee. Send thee help from the sanctuary and strengthen thee out of Zion. Remember all thy offerings and accept thy burnt sacrifice, Selah. Grant thee according to thine own heart and fulfill all thy counsel. We will rejoice in thy salvation. and In the name of our God, we will set up our banners. The Lord fulfill all thy petitions. Now know I that the Lord saveth his anointed. He will hear him from his holy heaven with the saving strength of his right hand. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. They are brought down and fallen, but we are risen and stand upright. Save, Lord, that the King hear us when we call. To 
This is Morning Inspirations with Minister Kenneth Jenkins. And a pleasant good morning to you and yours. This is your early morning gospel program, Morning Inspirations. We have talk to you and John Radio. It's great to be back on the air. Now it's time for our morning prayer. And we stop and give thanks and pray for others. Let us pray. Holy Father, we come before you this morning to say thank you. First of all, Lord, forgive us any sins that we've done of or said or or done. Have mercy upon us. We will set those to to us by way of podcast and live. We lift up those boys who are in the hospital, hospice, nursing homes, and we 
looks like that that uh healthcare worker was working on but uh looks like those that have prison walls Lord we looked up those Lord who who are on the streets Lord or homeless as well, Lord. We lift up those, Lord, who's getting ready to commute to a, to a church today. Give them traveling mercy, Lord. Give them traveling mercy to those who are on the highways and byways. We lift up our children to you, Lord. We lift up those, Lord, who we lift up those, Lord, who are in need. We lift up our elderly. We lift them up to you as well, Lord. We lift up our family, our friends, our church family, our neighbors. We lift up our pastor and his family. Give them, Lord, the power, the power to preach your word. And we, we lift up Every minister, every pastor, every man and woman of God who get ready to preach your word today. Lift them up to you as well, Lord. Lift up those, Lord, who lift up our men and women in our forces. Those here and those abroad. Remember our veterans, Lord. We lift, we lift up our wounded warriors. We lift up our men and women in uniform, those police officers, county sheriffs, and uh, EMTs and firefighters, Lord. We lift them up to you as well. We lift up every person listening to us on Talk Show. We lift up every person. Every podcast, not only on this, not only here on Talk Show, but as well as Broadcast Radio and other other entities. We we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for all your many blessings. I'm still believing. We're still believing, Lord, that by your stripes we'll be healed. And we thank you for the healing in advance. We thank you, Lord, for all your many blessings. Waking us up early this morning, stop us on our way. We thank you. Much obliged. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. We're back at the top of the hour for... More of your gospel inspiration music. Mark Wilkinson is next. Word for today. Reading today comes from John chapter 2, verses 13 to 25. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple courts, he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and others sitting at the tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords and drove all from the temple courts, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. 
To those who sold doves, he said, Get these out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. His disciples remembered that it is written, Zeal for your house will consume me. The Jews then responded to him, What sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all this? Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and I will raise it again in three days. They replied, It has taken 46 years to build this temple, and you are going to raise it in three days? But the temple he had spoken of was his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said. Then they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. Now while he was in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, many people saw the signs he was performing and believed in his name. But Jesus would not entrust himself to them, for he knew all people. He did not need any testimony about mankind, for he knew what was in each person. story is one of the most amazing stories, isn't it, in the, in the gospel records uh, about uh, who Jesus is, you know, and if it was anybody other than Jesus who did this, we would probably say, I got out of the wrong side of bed, didn't I? What's going on with them? How come they're so angry? Yet we have here the sinless Son of God, one in whom there is no sin. Uh, and we see Jesus responding. We have scenes of, 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 of whips and overturned tables and scattering of coin. This is a pretty full-on sort of scene, isn't it? This is no meek and mild Jesus. Some of us may even need to sort of adjust our thinking about who Jesus is because of a passage like this. Some of us may need to adjust our understanding of, of anger because of a passage like this. For in this passage, we are confronted with the anger of Jesus. Now, the anger of Jesus, we need to understand, perhaps a bit different for most of us. Because most of the time, when we uh, get angry, we all have what we might call unrighteous anger. That, that's mostly us. 99% of our anger fits into this category. It, it comes out of our own frustration that something hasn't worked, something's gone wrong, there's a difficulty, there's a situation, there's a, something that needs, uh, needs to be processed. Um, it comes out when the kids spill red cordial on the carpet or something along those lines. It, it, it often comes out, this sort of anger, often I see it at the sporting contests. I, uh, I went to the football on Friday night and uh, saw a lot of this sort of, this sort of unrighteous anger being, uh, being uh, thrown out to uh, the umpires. Etc. Anger is probably something that we've all experienced. Something we need to confess, make right. We need to seek restitution and forgiveness. Involved in this kind of anger. Jesus was involved in a righteous anger, poetic anger. Something that is completely different to that. Something that doesn't need to be apologised for. Jesus didn't say sorry about that. Oh, sorry guys, you know. Right, or whatever. He comes in and he, and, he, and he... strategic thing and it's not something that, as I say, that he needed to apologise for. Certainly something that was going to get Jesus into trouble. Certainly something that was going to bring um, question marks over him. But we need to understand, first of all, uh, this anger. We need to say, why was Jesus angry? What's going on? that made him angry in the temple? What was it happening in the temple that made him angry? Well, there are some possibilities. 
passage, and there's parallel passages and uh, similar passages in, in uh, the other three Gospels, uh, that, and they give us some suggestions if we put these uh, things together. We see in this, perhaps, there was a sense of lack of reverence for God. Uh, this is suggested by the quote from uh, Psalm 69, zeal for your house will consume me. Zealousness for the temple is the physical symbol of God's presence. A lack of reverence, that's certainly a possibility. And as I say, the psalm would, would do that. But I think there is a more important thing that's going on here. The, uh, I think they were making it hard for the Gentiles to pray. Let me tell you a little bit about how the temple worked. The temple had all these sort of uh, outer rooms and inner rooms. There's almost all these sort of layers. It's, it's so unfamiliar to us in our modern church context, we would have no idea. But, it, but it's the whole idea that there was a, a most holy place. Where the, where the high priest could go once a year and bring, bring us home. And then there was another place that the priests only could hang out. Then there's another place that only the men could hang out. And then there was another place that the women could hang out. There's another place that the Gentiles could hang out. Some suggestions I was asked to are, uh, are uh, the same sort of place. So to bring a sacrifice, what you needed to do, if you wanted to, uh, you had to bring some sacrifices. The old covenant people had to bring sacrifices uh, to pay for their sins and to, and if you read, you know, the Old Testament books in Leviticus and things along those lines, you see all those things and the offerings that they were required to bring. But they were required to bring a a, uh, a spotless offering, a clean offering, a pure offering. And so they couldn't bring you sort of the dregs of your animals. You know, sort of you had a flock and there was this sort of one runty sheep or something along those lines that was, you know, you really didn't want it. It was pretty used to say, oh, we'll just give that a big offering, you know. Um, I wonder if we wouldn't do stuff like that. We wouldn't just sort of bring the cast-offs for our offering, would we? You know, Anyway, and so, so God said, no, you can't do that. You can't bring the cast-offs. You can't bring the stuff that nobody else wants that's unproductive and unfruitful. You've got to bring a pure, spotless animal. And so, of course, to check that out, what happened was that the priests had to check it out and make sure it was a good animal, not a dodgy one. So you weren't trying to sort of cover up a, a dodgy one, you know, paint over a dodgy one and, bring a, a, and pass it off as good. And so the priests had to ha- have an inspection point. And so obviously what was happening, a lot of animals that people bring for sacrifice, a lot of doves, a lot of sheep, a lot of, a lot of cows weren't passing muster. And so rather than people coming from the, the villages and bringing their own stuff, and then it doesn't get accepted, and they have to take it back again, they set, they, they set up a marketplace right outside the temple. So you can make sure that you had a good cow or a good sheep or a good pair of doves, and you'd be, they'd be fine for the sacrifice. So, of course, there was this trade going on. There was a recognition that you had to have it close but what they did it was they did it in the outer courts of all that place. You've been to markets. I'm sure all of us have been to a marketplace or something like that. You've been to the Queen Vic Market or something like that, seeing all the hubbub of activity that's going on there. You go to the market there and there's people, you know, there's all these different fruit sellers. Oh, Faye and Felicity would be in their element. You know, all the fruit that was going on there and people competing for your business and all that sort of stuff. Snow white mushrooms. One of the things I always remember when I was going off to the market there, this guy, my, he, he said, I've got the best mushrooms. Another guy saying, I've got the best apples. And the other guy saying, no, oh, I've got the best apples and competing for price and quality and all that. So you've been to a market, you know, that whole hubbub of activity. That whole hubbub of activity was happening in the outer court. Only place where a Gentile could pray. Now, a Gentile, of course, is someone If you were uh, not, a, not a Jew, if you were a Gentile, but that you were reaching out towards God, if you'd, been, you'd looked up at creation and you thought, there's got to be a creator. I've heard about this God of creation 
and I want to go and meet with him and worship him. I want to try to connect with him in some way, shape, or form. Because you're not a Jew. You're not allowed to go in. You've got to stay out of region. Lollies, chocolates, and potato chips. I told you I went to the ball on Friday night. Imagine in the quietness, we're in a community a little bit. Uh, we have in the, in the quietness of our community. Worship God and reflect that. Move! Doing squabbles over change. I gave you 50 shekels, not a Jesus had a heart for the nations, a heart for the Gentiles, those people who are not Jews. Hallelujah, that's us, eh? Jesus was thinking about people from the nations at this time. And the people of the nations who wanted to be drawn to Jerusalem, who wanted to worship God, were being interrupted by all this trading that was going on. By the way, this is not this is completely different from a church bookshop, I want to be honest. Mark also makes it clear there's a third aspect of this, is that they're ripping off the poor. The, the offering of the poor person was uh, was the pair of doves. That was the, uh, again, Leviticus makes it clear, and we, we see that in this passage, that there were doves selling. This is the you know, poor person who couldn't afford to bring a, a big cow or something like that, or a sheep. Again, a quote from Jeremiah 7 says, but you have made it a den of Obviously some exploitation. It was open for exploitation, wasn't it? Because, uh, you know, if there's a sort of a monopoly, whenever there's a monopoly, it's open for exploitation. Imagine if, uh, if uh, in our offering time today that, uh, we, that, we, that the church leaders made a decision, sorry, Australian currency is actually no good. You've got to have special church currency. We, had the, we set up in the foyer a little bit of a, a you know, like a money-changing thing. You know how we have those at the plaza, don't you? You can go and 
swap your Australian dollars for American dollars or what else. And, and of course, they charge, I don't know, about 4% or something along those lines. But anyway, that's another question, isn't it? But, but, but they were not just charging at a normal exchange rate, but an exorbitant exchange rate. So they were ripping off the people who could least afford it. Given that, yes, they were being Just as a, not just as a concern for the Gentiles. These things made Jesus angry and he made a prophetic sign and decided to do something about it. Those who righteously interrupt with corruption and abuse. He did it because of his heart for people, his heart for the poor. I think there's a third, a third layer Another layer to this story as well uh, that we hear, and I think it's possibly even the most important layer. The thing between that's going on between the Old Covenant and New Covenant. Note, uh, in, if you note in verse 13, uh, start of this Bible reading, there's a reference to the Passover, and again also in verse 23, they were there for the Passover festival. Passover was a Jewish salvation festival. If you're not familiar with the story, you can read about it in uh, Exodus chapter 12. And, and it was an incredible story. It was the, the tenth of the ten plagues that was to, to, uh, to release God's people from bondage in Egypt. What they had to do was that they had to put uh, some blood on the doorpost. They did that they would be passed over from the tenth plague, and the tenth plague was the killing of the first They'd be, and they'd be passed over and, and Pharaoh who wouldn't the other nine plagues he kept on flip-flopping and changing, he wouldn't release them but on the tenth plague he said go then they had this miracle incredible miracle after they'd gone they walked through the, the Red Sea and, uh, and they were saved they were released from bondage this is their salvation festival and they would celebrate the Passover every year important to note here that Moses lived somewhere around about 13, 1,500 years before Jesus. This festival has been going on for 13, 1,500 years. It still goes on today, by the way. Three and a half you know, thousand years later, it still goes on. They still remind themselves of this. See uh, here in John's Gospel, and we're going to see, if you wanted to keep your eyes open, you'll see this. You'll see all these old covenant themes. We saw it last time uh, when uh, Kim was speaking about... Uh, you know, when, they, when Jesus turned the water into wine. Well, the big vessels that they put uh, the, the water in were, were ritual hand-washing vessels. We'll see next week when Stan, she comes to speak to us about how there's a religious uh, uh, leader who's going to come. We'll see the, the, all these references to, to festivals, Jewish festivals that go right throughout John's Gospel. These old covenant themes that are here. This was going on here at this time. And Jesus had done this cleansing of the temple. The interesting thing is they didn't arrest him straight away. They said, what miracle shows your authority? You know, what, who gives you the authority to do that? Prove something that, that gives you the authority to do this. And Jesus, standing there in the temple forecourt, said, uh, said that his credentials of why he was able to do this and why he had the authority to do this is that he will destroy this temple and raise it again in three days. People looked around them. 
And they said, well, this temple's been built for 46 years. Now they're looking at this, this great big edifice there that has been going on. Actually, probably it wasn't finished either. It, it, it was it been being built for 46 years, and we can date these things because we know that from uh, from history that it was being it was started in 20 BC, but 46 years later, 26 AD. Now, the thing wasn't actually finished until 64 AD. It took 84 years to build. Anybody thinks our church building project is going a little slow? There's a bit of a second. 84 years to build. Imagine being on that committee. Wow. I joined this committee when I was six years old and I'm now 90. Got the thing, walked up there, uh, opening of the, of the new temple. Finally got the thing built. There's been, there's still been built for, at this stage for 46 years. It's an incredible edifice. You know what? I think only lasted six years after it was built and then the Romans ru ruined it. American people were upset that day when the Romans were... 84 years it took them to build and the Romans wrecked it after six years. Anyway, that's... And he says, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to uh, rebuild this again. I'm going to destroy this temple and raise it again in three days. How the heck are you going to do that? Of course, we know, when we read the story, what it's about. John is trying to Writing, yeah, remember I said John's writing 50, 60, 70 years after the fact. He says, the temple he had spoken about, body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he said. Leave the scripture in the words that Jesus had spoken. They figured it out later on that what Jesus was talking about was himself. What Jesus is saying is starting to say he's in the early times of his ministry where he's only, he's only just had done the first miracle that we looked at the previous passage two weeks ago. He's saying that the old temple it symbolized the presence of God. And so the whole idea of that was that if you wanted to come and meet with God, I mean people knew, people knew the Psalms and the God was everywhere, but they had this, this great sense that if you really wanted to meet with God you had to come to the temple because that was the place of the presence of God. And that was the place where you where you could you could go to meet with God. And what Jesus is now saying is that the old temple is obsolete. That He is the new temple. The writer to the Hebrews says that the body and blood of Jesus opens the way to God. We're going to celebrate, as I said, communion in just a few moments. Remind ourselves of those of the of the symbols of the body and the blood. And what that reminds us is that there is a that the old temple has gone. That the new temple, Jesus is the new temple, and He opens the way to the Father. You don't have to go and and sort of you know drive many thousands of miles. You don't have to go on a pilgrimage to a holy city to find the presence of God. The presence of God has come to us in the body and the blood of Jesus. The writer of the Hebrews says we can boldly come to the grace of God, to the throne of God. And we can pray to him. We can receive grace and mercy that we need. And as Jesus has opened the way, he says, we can now draw near to God. We can come close to him. That's not a physical thing anymore. It's not that you have to come to a church or a building like this. But it's great for us to come together, but the presence of God is no more here than it will be elsewhere, will it? Learning that. We talk about that a lot, don't we? God, you can know the presence of God. 
situations. Whatever situations you encounter tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday and Sunday, whatever, whenever and wherever you are, you can encounter the presence of God. The presence of God is not that it doesn't hang out in a building. It's, it's available for us because the body and blood of Jesus and his death and his resurrection has opened the way for us to have access to the Father. Paul says to the Ephesians that we are the temple of the Spirit. In him, Jesus, the whole building is joined together and rises together to become a holy temple in the Lord. He's talking about how Jews and Gentiles were drawn together in one building. He's talking about the family of God. He's talking about the body of Christ. And he says, we're being joined together. And we, and in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his Spirit. He doesn't dwell within buildings uh, universally now. He dwells within his people. We can, we can actually apply that corporately, which is what uh, happens here in Ephesians chapter 2, or individually. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Jesus says to individuals, he says to us individually, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit dwells in us. Good thing to remember on Pentecost Sunday, huh? Good thing to remember the Holy Spirit dwells within us. He dwells within us corporately. So as we gather together, we meet together. You know, there are lots of churches in our city even that don't have buildings. In fact, I would say there would be more churches that don't have a, a building to meet in, as in don't have their own building to meet in, than what churches that do have their own building to meet in. I meet with the ministers and I, 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 I continue to rejoice and I meet new church plants that are happening in community centres. As far as I know, uh, in every community centre of the city of Wyndham there's a church that meets. Hallelujah. It's exciting. There are people meeting in homes and in... And, uh, meeting together and because they can't they don't have anywhere else to meet. It's like when we go down to the event center that, that we can we can meet together in that building. That these are buildings that are not to set uh, set apart for God's for worship. They're just community centers and anybody can use them. We'd have a greater sense of that. Who's worked worship in a in a community center or a school hall or something along those lines? Have we all been to a church like that somewhere along the line? Sure we have. You need to be aware of the presence of God. This church started in a home, and then I'm seeing John over there. It reminds me, this church went and started in a home, and then went to a community hall, and then went to a school hall. It was the other way around. It was the other way around before the church had its own, own building. You don't need to have a building to meet in the church, because the Holy Spirit dwells within his people. That's what uh, constitutes uh, the, a building where the Holy Spirit dwells. We don't need a temple anymore. The temple becomes obsolete. It's nice to have a building and we will, uh, we're going to build a new building. There's a statement of faith. We will do that, but, but it's, we don't need it to have the presence of God. It's really important to know. The old temple is obsolete. Not only that, but the Passover is obsolete. We no longer have to celebrate year after year about, uh, about uh, the old covenant people who were saved from Egypt because we're a new covenant people. We're a new covenant people here. We have our own... Uh, it's been superseded, the Passover. We now have a communion. And we here at uh, Werribee have chosen to have communion pretty much normally twice a month in our morning services and once a month in our evening services where we can remind ourselves what Jesus has done for us. We don't have to remind ourselves that we've been physically saved from a nation. But we have experienced that. We have experienced that. But many of us have only known living in freedom, in countries of freedom. What we do know 
because we have these symbols before us. The bread symbolizing the, the body of Jesus. The cup symbolizes the blood of Jesus. And together, these symbols remind us of the presence of God with us, that he's here. As people who aren't Jews, if we felt the prompting to come to worship God, we'd have had to stay on the outer courts, stay away on the outer sections where people were trading, where people were, where there was cows mooing, where there was sheep bleating, where there was doves cooing, where there was the sound of people exchanging money, bartering and bickering over that. Now, if we feel God's prompting, we want to come to Him. We have direct access to the body and the blood of Jesus. I'm to pray. I suggest that we, give, we ought to give thanks. So why don't you give thanks to the Lord? In your own words, using your own words, the quietness of your heart. and your grace to us. We have your presence and we have your spirit. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Goodness and your grace to us. Give you thanks. Amen. He tells us on the night that he's betrayed after he gave thanks, he broke bread. He said, this is my body that's broken for you and likewise took the cup and he said, this is the cup of the new covenant that's poured out of my blood. Whenever you eat this bread or drink this cup, remember me. Remember. Call to remember Jesus. Take the bread at a time that's right for you and hold the cup and we'll drink together because we can remind ourselves that we've been saved together. so grateful for you that we can have pre- that your presence we, we thank you Jesus that you've opened the way to the Father, we thank you Jesus that we, because of your body and blood we can come to the Father anytime we like, we thank you Jesus that you then sent your Holy Spirit down that you can, might fill us and enable us to be your people and do your will, that we might have, be able and be empowered for, for mission empowered to do the things that you want us to do empowered to care for the poor empowered to care for the, for the, for the sick Lord, that we be empowered to be able to do the things that you want us to do, to share your share our faith. People come to faith in, in Jesus. Thank you for what you You're listening to the Jam Radio Network with Minister Kenneth Jenkins. Hey, churchgoers. Looking for a little morning inspiration? 
Well, listen to Morning Inspirations and the Jam Radio Network with Minister Kenneth Jenkins.
this is Morning Inspirations with Minister Kenneth Jenkins.
churchgoers looking for a little morning inspiration? Well, listen to Morning Inspirations and the Jam Radio Network with Minister Kenneth Jenkins. Give it up. So don't give up on birth control either. There are more 
Titus and the Ad Council. Good morning to you and yours. Thanks for listening and tuning in. Oh, by the way, tomorrow we'll be back. We'll finally be back on the air um, early morning, 6 o'clock, for more for um, gospel inspirations of January 2nd. We had a long week of things to do, especially jury duty, which I know a lot of you don't like. <laughs> it, it was okay. I didn't get picked, so I did get paid, though, but it was okay. I got a little money, <laughs> $15. That's not bad, though. But at least I did get a little money, and I got a chance to to um, be part of it, which is most importantly. But long week, I couldn't couldn't do the program. Oh, and another side note that there's no nation talk tonight. The nation talk um starts September. It's September, September night. September sixth. I'm sorry. More. Subjects and guests. That's next week, Sunday. Here is the Watutu Children's Choir. I just, I love these kids. They are, they are so wonderful. I, I haven't got a chance to see them in person, but I couldn't resist for getting this CD. You want to pick up this CD from? It's called Be Excited, Be Exalted. Um, it's a very nice CD. Check it out. It's from On What On What Now. This is the Watutu Children's Choir.
children's choir, and be exalted. We come, we'll be back in a moment, so stay tuned. This is Morning Inspirations. My name is Tom Thornton. And my name is Cindy Thornton. We've been married 38 years, we're retired, and this is how we live in life. We play golf and we travel, but we also decided we were going to give to and volunteer with United Way at our community free health clinic. I do the nursing at the clinic. I work the front office, checking in patients, greeting them, making them feel comfortable. United Way is how we contribute, because we know our time and money are going to the right places, the places that need it most and implement it best. Judging by the thank yous we get at the clinic, I'd say we're doing the right thing with our retirement, too. We even get a few bless yous. It's incredible. We're Tom and Cindy Thornton. We volunteer at our community free health clinic, so we don't just wear the shirt. We live it. Give. Advocate. Volunteer. Live United. Go to liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. Can a Christian's letter to the newspaper make a difference? From the Christian Law Association, this is the Legal Alert. Angry people often use social media to blow off steam. Because identity is hidden, non-edifying things are often said. However, the letters to the editor page of your local newspaper is a place to incite change in your community. Newspapers require your full name and hometown. When using this forum, be sure to protect yourself from libel or other charges by doing these two things. Number one, be certain that what you are writing is true. Keep every documentation. Number two, be certain that what you share is not private or privileged information. Edifying and direct people towards something positive. The world is desperate for the light of Jesus Christ. Be a positive witness. The Christian Law Association is standing for those who are standing for Christ. That's attorney David Gibbs, Jr. of the Christian Law Association. And you can continue today's dialogue by exploring the resources waiting for you at our website, christianlaw.org. You can sign up for our free monthly newsletter or connect with an attorney at christianlaw.org. It takes 12 years to create a graduate. It takes about the same time to create a dropout. And at the end of the day, the difference between a child becoming one or the other could be you. Studies prove that reading to a child regularly dramatically improves reading skills. And kids who read well by third grade are four times as likely to graduate. So United Way is asking you to make a pledge. Tutor a child who needs help. Mentor a kid who needs someone on their side. Volunteer to read to children. Because when a child advances, we all advance. Communities improve. The path to success starts long before graduation day. And the difference between a graduate and a dropout could be you. Be a reader, tutor, or mentor. Give. Advocate. Volunteer. Live United. Go to liveunited.org now. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. You're listening to the Jam Radio Network with Minister Kenneth Jenkins. Look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. He healed my body. He touched. 
Bad Best and Gospel Inspiration Music is heard right here on Talk to You at Jam Radio.
doing justice
Sham Radio Network with Minister Kenneth Jenkins. A lot of haters wanna block my shaft, but none of them wanna upload me when it's my time. I'ma keep my head high, keep my nose to the ground. Cause in due time, they gon' be saying my rap.
2004, Jose was sentenced to eight years for committing a gun crime. His wife, Isabel, was left alone. Where were you when the police arrested him? I was at the house. I was getting ready for work, and my dad was there also. The boys were asleep. Did it scare you? It did, but mostly for the boys because, you know, I didn't want for them to wake up to that. It was mostly for them that I was worried. What about that first night alone after he was arrested? I'm sure that whole first week was probably crying myself to sleep. How often do you think about Jose? Constantly. It's kind of hard, I mean, you know, especially with the boys that are spitting images of him. Is it hard without Jose at home? Yeah, it, it is hard. You're still waiting for that day for him to come back. What do you miss most of all? Just having that family. And now it's, it's not there. When you commit a gun crime, your family serves the sentence with you. Gun crimes hit home. Would you join with me, please, in prayer? Pray with me, Lord Jesus. I am a sinner. Jesus, thank you that you loved me enough that you became a man and died on the cross, paid the price for all the wrong things that I have done. I'm sorry for my sin. It's my sin that puts you on that cross. And I'm sorry. I don't want to live in rebellion to you anymore. I ask you to forgive me. And tonight I open my heart and I invite you into my life to be my Savior and my Lord. I believe, Jesus, you are the Son of God. I believe you died for me to pay the price for all the wrong things that I've committed against God and against man. I believe that on the third day, by the power of God, you were raised from the dead as living proof that my trust in you tonight is not in vain. I believe that as Christ was raised from the dead, so tonight, Almighty God, you are raising me from the dead, from the death of sin. You are giving me a new life, the life of Jesus Christ. Oh God, on my testimony and the belief in my heart, and according to your word, at this moment, I believe I am saved. I am saved. I am saved. Oh, let me ask you, friends, in closing tonight, have you done this? Have you obeyed the gospel? Have you obeyed the gospel? Have you come to that obedience of faith? Have you come to that place of true repentance and true faith? Have you turned around? Have you forsaken your sin? Have you turned around? Have you forsaken your sin? Are you trusting alone tonight in Jesus Christ for your salvation? For there is no other way, there is no other message. For there is no other way, there is no other message. Oh, come to him, come to the Saviour tonight. Come to him just as you are. Come to him in your sin. Come to him in all your needs. Cast yourself upon his mercy and upon his infinite grace. 
Cast your vote upon his anointing and upon his infinite grace. Cast yourself wholly to him. And you too will enter into that joy of sins forgiven, peace with God, and eternal, abundant life through Jesus Christ our Lord.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.